It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. All right, so in typical podcast fashion, if you've been listening, you know I like to open with the date and the time and a quick rundown to let you know what we're going to be talking about here today. Here's the problem. I know nothing. (laughs) My brain has been reduced to mush. It is day five for Doug and I at the Combine. We have done a lot of work, a lot of reporting. Everyone on the Patriots beat who has been here has done, I think, great work to, to varying degrees about varying things for agency, the draft. Everything you want to know about, we want to know about as we get closer to both of those and what's critical offseason for the Patriots. But being at the Combine involves staying up till 3 a.m. And then last night for us, 4.30 a.m. And somehow uh, an Uncrustable <laughs> at a steakhouse that turns into a bar at 12 o'clock yeah. and uh, is also just happens to be a prime, pun intended, location for meeting people around the league, connecting, and sometimes with the Patriots. So here's the plan today. We are going to run down the major stories that have broken the last couple of days Mm -hmm. that we have reported on, you have reported on, Mm -hmm. and then get to a story that is going to come out in the Herald on what I believe will be Saturday, Mm -hmm. Sunday in print, and we are going to uh, post, but give you all of our content, all of our scoops, scuttlebutt, rumors, facts, nuggets, whatever you want to call them, you got them. Uh, First things first, though, quarterbacks. This has been the big story. There was a big story from Mass Live that advanced – uh, the athletic reporting that the Patriots are likely to take a quarterback. They're leaning in that direction. They really want to is the exact quote. Mass Life said they're planning on doing this mm-hmm. and they're going to sign a veteran and uh, have them here together. We reached out to a couple of people, ran into a couple of people mm-hmm. from the Patriots shortly after that story broke. And what happened next? Uh, first of all, was advanced a pun on advanced media for Mass Life? Okay, you're in timeout. <laughs> advanced <laughs> Local, the parent company of Mass Live. Yes, they advanced it. Um, yeah, I never know with you, so I very much could have been. But it's fair. Uh, yeah, so those st- two stories broke. Uh, we followed up on them essentially mm-hmm. because, you know, obviously that's a very big deal. And essentially, what happened was that the people that we spoke to said, who are high ranking, yes, high ranking people uh, within the front office personnel department, said. If that's the plan, we weren't made aware of it. So this means one of two things, I guess I would say mm-hmm. that one, that is the plan and they just haven't told anyone, uh, right. told everyone or nothing's necessarily set in stone yet. But that's that's essentially what we know about this. Um, I do know that the Patriots or certain members of the Patriots like all three quarterbacks enough to take them in the, in the top three, but that doesn't necessarily mean that that's the consensus or that's everyone's right. opinion. Um, but yes, this is, Elliot Wolf said it himself, a very good quarterback class and people who matter within the organization believe that as well. 
Yes. And I want to make that clear because, you know, I, I think the healthiest Twitter habits sometimes involve posting the story, hitting mute conversation and moving <laughs> on with it today. This was an instance of that because I understand there's a lot of fun to be had with the mm-hmm. drama between, you know, competing reporters or outlets and whatnot. Here's the truth what happened. Matt Sly wrote that story. Yeah. I texted Mark, who I sat next to in the Patriots media work yeah, for a long Mark. time. We love Mark. Yeah. Good friend. Karen, I have the utmost respect for, have learned incredible amounts from. Chris, newer to the beat, mm-hmm. works as hard as anyone, contributed there. I love the guy. Texted all of them. Said, great story. Yeah. Thank you for saying it with your chest. And then we heard something different. So we report what we hear and understand and believe to relay it to you, to contextualize that. There's no, there wasn't a contradiction. No, it's just to sorry. say that if this is the plan, which we cannot confirm, mm-hmm. not everybody knows about it. That's it. Um, mm-hmm. And then followed up to let them know, hey, we heard something different. Not going to yeah. speak out of both sides of my mouth. This is how it goes. So not as dramatic as everyone wants to make it seem, or some folks, I, I suppose, want to make it seem on Twitter. Uh, the second part of it, well, though, was you yeah. reported this morning, fr- Friday morning, right. I believe, about the Patriots' stances towards two free agent quarterbacks. Yeah, one more thing that I would add just on the rookies as well yeah. is that we did hear that Drake May interviewed very well uh, yes. with the Patriots, that uh, he kind of commanded the room, did all those types of things, and you could kind of see that in his press conference this morning as well. We weren't there, but I saw it in video form. Um, but, yeah, he definitely impressed the Patriots quite a bit. And like I said, multiple people really like the top three quarterbacks in this draft. Uh, one person I spoke to really likes J.J. McCarthy as well. Not with one of those top three picks, but if it comes down to it, you know, something changes, something happens, that could be an option as well. But, yeah, as far as veteran quarterbacks go, uh, first of all, we did hear that there hasn't been interest in Kirk Cousins uh, so far up to this point, which isn't a major surprise to me because, I don't know, when you're looking at the quarterback market, like he's probably like a $50 million per year guy, somewhere around there. That's where we're at with salary. Yeah. Yes. So, I mean, I can understand the Patriots not wanting to invest $50-plus million or whatever it is in Kirk Cousins. Baker Mayfield, however, does have fans within the building. Yes. Uh, which – Okay, so we knew that a lot of people in the building know Baker Mayfield. Like, they have introduced themselves to him and know him very well. Uh, We could go down the list, but it's like Alex Van Pelt, the offense coordinator, quarterback coach T.C. McCartney, offensive line coach. um, Scott Peters has worked with him. And then Ben McAdoo has worked with him. Pat Stewart, Elliot Wolf. All these guys have worked with Baker Mayfield, but we know that there are fans of Baker Mayfield as well. And I would even go so far as to say people who would support the idea of signing Baker Mayfield. Yes. Uh, the issue is that it does feel like at this point, it's most likely that Baker Mayfield will return to the Buccaneers. Um, the other issue is cost, because if you look at Kirk Cousins as being a 50 million plus per year guy, Baker Mayfield could be a 40 million plus per year guy. And yeah, he could be your starter for the next three years, but there's just a much higher ceiling if you take a guy in the draft. But I I mean, that is to say there are people in the building who like Baker Mayfield a lot and certainly would not mind him being their quarterback or being the quarterback of the team. Right. And it's easy to connect dots. That's not what this report was about. This is to say in the time that's passed since Baker Mayfield worked with, you know, Alex Ampel, TC McCartney underneath Elliot Wolf and Eliza Highsmith in the front office, they've viewed his tape, how he's changed as a player, matured as a person and said, yeah, we still really like him. Will that advance (laughs) reference in any kind of way? Uh, We'll see. But for now, Kirk Cousins is dead on arrival. Not going to happen. Brought up by Brian S., our first uh, male fan, uh, mailbag, fan bag. Whatever I called the last time, it's it feels like a month ago. Um, but it's it, I think it's important to, yeah. to note that difference between this is not just saying, oh yeah, they probably like him. 
they definitively do. Yeah. And if that price tag comes down and they strike out with other options, right. they might they might move on Baker Mayfield, though it doesn't seem very likely. Um, to actually go back to the draft for a second, because, mm-hmm. I, look, th- that's why we're here, right? Yeah. The combine is to scout all these prospects who are running, lifting, jumping as we record this at some ungodly hour on Friday. Mm-hmm. But the May interview, I think, is important to stop with because when we talk about these quarterbacks – it's almost like a reflection on what you value mm-hmm. as a team or a coach or a GM in terms of whether you prefer Drake May or Jane Daniels. Right. I'm on the record saying I think they should draft a quarterback. Mm-hmm. I think these are all worthy quarterbacks. We're going to have deep dives going in the Herald. Mm-hmm. But it almost comes across as do you want that traditional dude you know, right. in your room, the yeah. way they capture that kind of leader, yeah. commands a room, yeah. and, and highly intelligent. So when the Patriots – you know, have a good interview with him. It doesn't mean necessarily he's better or this is a bad thing. Mm-hmm. Like, they're all great quarterbacks. Right. It's just Washington's going to make a call that's best for them. Mm-hmm. And the player the Patriots get fit for might end up being a better player in the NFL because of his environment. And that's that's that, yeah. that gets lost in here. The preference and the flavor and also how things go, obviously, once you get in the building. For sure. And, yeah, uh, I'm, we might have mentioned this on the first show, but uh, I don't think so, actually. We, they met with all three top quarterbacks. Yes. Uh, Caleb Williams, Drake May, and Jaden Daniels. Also met with JJ McCarthy and Bo Nix. Uh, they did not meet with Michael Penix. So I would say up to this point, I would be surprised if Michael Penix wound up being the guy uh, for the Patriots. But you know, it's it's March first. I'm telling you what day it is right now. Uh, it's it's March first, and you know things could change. But at this point, I would be very surprised if Penix was the pick. Okay. Yeah. It's a new era, not just for the Patriots, but for the Pats Interference Podcast. Brought to you now by. Prize Picks, the largest daily fantasy sports platform in America. I'm making player picks, watching the Celtics, points, rebounds, and I get to test my skills like you can on Prize Picks this season because it's the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. If you have the skills, you can turn 10 bucks into 250 bucks with just a few taps. And then here's the best part: quick withdrawals, easy gameplay, an enormous selection of players and stat types which all make prize picks the number one daily fantasy sports app plus a review policy which means you get your money back in case of injury the only dfs platform to offer an insurance policy again prize picks has been a ton of fun with the celtics you can also go with the bruins any number of different sports games players plays and options so right now go to prizepicks.com clns and use code clns for a first deposit match up to $100. Again, that's prizepicks.com slash CLNS and use code CLNS for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize picks, pick more, pick less. It's that easy. Ready for some scoops? Absolutely. Okay. Number one, and this came about today, Friday, uh, as we we're asking around, and I'll, I'll put it like this. The Patriots are big game hunting. And we all expected this. Again, you want to connect dots. Fine. That's great on the outside. This is on the inside with the league, with executives, with scouts, people within the organization. We expected them to pursue wide receivers and tight ends. That's happening. They are also targeting at least one elite defensive player to come in and would start, obviously, for day one uh, for the Patriots and Drod Mayo, which may not be entirely surprising to you. Mm-hmm. But when you think about the way they're organizing their board for free agency, this to me was a whoa. Yeah, yeah, big surprise. Uh, it would definitely be a splash. Yeah. Um, so we'll see. We'll see what happens here. Um, I, I, but I think that it would certainly be, like I said, a splash move. 
And the Patriots can do that right now because after cutting JC Jackson, yes. they have $100 million in cap space. Million. I think I'm doing my math here correct. That's a tenth of a billion dollars that yeah. they can that they can spend on free agents. So that's a lot of money. Uh, so I'm not sure if they're going to use all of that cap space. They're going to have a ton of cash to spend over the next three years. I know that. So they almost have to go big game hunting because, I mean, that, that's just essentially the way to spend in free agency. They are going to need to fill in their roster as well, because that's another thing that I've picked up over the last week <laughs> is that, you know, even especially, I guess I would say, when you talk to people within the team of like, all right, what's this offense going to look like? What's this defense going to look like? They're like, well, first we kind of have to build out the roster to see what this offense is going to look like because we have a ton of needs right now, starting a quarterback, wide receiver. They've got one tight end on the roster. So they're definitely going to have to spend money on those guys to plug and play, but there's definitely room to spend big on one, two or three guys. And this is not mutually exclusive. Like I would hope the news that the Patriots are targeting at least one elite defensive player in free agency does not come as some sort of misery to you because they can sign other elite players on offense. Like they are very self-aware. And I'll add this, the people that we talk to who are relatively new or brand new to the Patriots are very self-aware about the cupboard that they're opening (laughs) and trying to cook this meal with. As I wrote uh, earlier this week, you can talk about Elliot Wolf in the front office and all these guys are basically lame ducks with their contracts. If you want to know more about that, read the piece, but the coaching staff in the front office understands what they have. And what yeah. they need. So this is not mutually exclusive. You can get a great defensive player mm-hmm. and all the offensive needs and try to fill them in free agency as well as the draft. And I will add this. The defense, you could go, okay, they were just a couple injuries away. They could have been much better. Matt Judon's going into, into a contract year. Yeah. Jelani Tavai's going into a contract year. Jonathan Jones as a starting corner is on the wrong side of 30. Yeah. And you're looking at this. If you lose Josh Uche, that's a pass rush that takes a hit. It's a cornerback group that's getting older. If you were to sign a safety or a corner or a linebacker or a defensive lineman, like that will help you in a way that will be appreciably different, I think, than if you just ran it back with the defense that everyone watches and goes, this is pretty good. It needs to be better next yeah. year. You can't just run it back, I think, with this group, given everything I just listed. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, we have mentioned, you know, they there's a top-tier defender on their list. They are, I know this, they are also looking and discussing adding wide receiver help, yeah. tight end help obviously quarterback that goes without saying. And um, Diana Rossini, our, our buddy from The Athletic, did report this afternoon that Mike Evans is going to test the market, which I think mm. plays in the conversation with Baker Mayfield as well because they played so well together with the Buccaneers last year. Certainly not saying that those guys are going to be coming here, but, I mean, that's a wide receiver that I think a lot of people did not expect to hit the market or test the market right. who now might become available. Right, and you have to think too, you know, Mike Evans is a guy who had just – come off of playing with Tom Brady right. and then finds a quarterback in Baker Mayfield who look Mike Evans turns out a thousand yard seasons. Like it's nothing. Yeah. No. Like it's nothing, yeah. but you wouldn't want to then go to another journeyman or a rookie. Right. I don't think so. Yeah. I would say there's a chance yeah. that he goes with Baker to whatever the next destination is provided. Of course, a cap space works and they're leaving in the first place. Uh, number two, talking about the defense, mm-hmm. Kyle Duggar speaking also of expected to test the market. That is where this is trending for him. Yeah, uh, the Patriots have an offer on the table, but it seems like it's unlike like something's unlikely going to happen unless something unforeseen changes uh, before free agency starts. The legal tampering period is March 11th. I think that that will give 
you know, Duggar a much better sense of what's out there for him. And then maybe he does still return uh, because the Patriots have certainly voiced that it's a priority both publicly and privately to bring back Kyle Duggar. Um, you know, Elliot Wolf said that Gerard Mayo said that. So you almost set yourself up to be embarrassed if you can't bring that guy back right. at that point, once you do say that out loud and publicly. But I think that it's also important for them to voice that to tell Kyle Duggar, you're important. We want you to bring you, we want to bring you back. We are serious about bringing you back. Um, and for Kyle Duggar, the the range, the salary range, I would expect it to be somewhere between 12 and $16 million. Uh, the range there is really Grant Delpit signed for $12 million per year with the Browns. Jesse Bates signed for $16 million per year with the Falcons. Those are our last two big safety contracts. So that gives Duggar a sense of what he should be earning on the open market or coming back with the Patriots. The other part about Duggar, and I, I've said this here before, is that given he's going to turn 28, this is really the last chance for him to maximize a long-term right. deal. So he's not going to want to leave much money on the table. Mm -hmm. That said, and has been also noted here, is that he recently signed with Andy Sims. It was a long history of representing uh, Patriots defensive backs who mm -hmm. resigned with the team. And he's been in the building, which some agents are not wild about <laughs> because you get a little emotional. Yeah. You, you're around guys who are saying, resign, come back, whether that's right. Gerard or it's Elliot or other mm -hmm. teammates. You know, there have been other players inside the building. Uh, Mike Unwene, who we'll get to in a second, is not really among them. Mm -hmm. But Kendrick Bourne popped in for two days. Judas Schuster has been around the building. So Kyle Duggar, again, is going to, I think, want to maximize those dollars. Mm -hmm. I'll be very interested to see if he gets equal money from a place outside of New England and then from the Patriots where he wants to go. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And there is the option also of the franchise tag or the transition right. tag. Uh, franchise tag would be $17 million. That seems unlikely. The transition tag is $14 million. And just real quickly, we might have discussed this before, but with the transition tag, there's a right of first refusal. Like someone else would then be able to offer Kyle Duggar a contract. If the Patriots match it, they get him. If they don't match it, then they would receive nothing in return. If the Patriots give him the franchise tag in that same scenario, they would receive a first round pick. So, right. it, but that $17 million would be really rich for Kyle Duggar. Yeah. I, I haven't run into anyone yet who thinks that's even remotely likely, right? You know, yeah. even 50 50, because it's again, outside of the range that we just yeah. discussed, set by the market, you can account for some inflation with the cap going up $30 million. You're still not getting to 16. Right. And Kyle Duggar is not the player that Jesse Bates is. So his market is a bit unclear, but again, he's going to test that, find it out. And one other note about this, because this speaks to the whole combine. Agents or teams are, are tampering, right. but they don't get as specific as they used to because there's still this seven to 10 day window, mm -hmm. depending on whenever you leave the combine, before free agency starts right. on March 11th. Yeah. So you can make a call a week from now yeah. on the 8th and be like, okay, here are the numbers. Yeah. Sit on it for the weekend. Let's talk Sunday night or Monday morning mm -hmm. before the window opens for the legal tampering right. uh, at noon on Monday. The combine really used to be kind of the illegal tampering period yeah. like because it did start right before free agency. And I'm, maybe that's why they even folded in the legal tampering period by moving this a week away. Uh, but one other note on Duggar is that the Patriots have not – discussed the franchise yeah. tag up to this point as well. So um, if they did do that, that's why I'm saying it might be just a bit of a surprise. Right. Now, they do have a history, and this was a different <laughs> yeah. regime. The last time they used the franchise tag was Joe Tooney, which was a giant surprise to everyone, including Joe and his representation in 2020, right. 45 minutes before free agency opened, which also ate more than half of their cap space at the time. Uh, but no one cares about 2020 or now a Chiefs offensive lineman. Right. So speaking of offensive linemen, 
Mike Unwenu is taking a unique approach to his mm -hmm. free agency. Mike Unwenu is projected to be the highest paid Patriot, uh, impending free agent, played right tackle, did him a huge favor as far as what his market should be. Mm -hmm. I estimated somewhere between 15 to 20 million, probably closer to 16, 17. But the person who will be negotiating that contract is now probably Mike Unwenu because he fired his agents earlier this week. Mm -hmm. And as we've spoken with a couple of people uh, today, Mike heard from a lot of agents who, of course, would love to represent a guy who's yeah, about to be paid yeah, 16, 17, $18 million a year. Yeah. And he gathered a lot of market research mm -hmm. and intel from other teams of where these agents thought he might go and what he might get. And then is using it himself with some financial advisors who will dot the I's and cross the T for him. So I love this move. It does incur some sort of risk. But if you're the Patriots, I think you also look at this and go, we would love to have him back. And they, and they do, speaking with people within right. the team. Yeah. It's just a little discouraging because whenever you fire agents this close to free agency, it's typically because you're not getting the money that you want. Yeah, no, this is not just speak when, you know, Elliot Wolf and John Mayer are saying, oh, we'd love to have Michael Wendell yeah. back. Like they 1000% want Michael Wendell back, but he's going to be expensive. Um, and it's a, it's, it is a curious market for Michael Wenu because teams will have to decide whether they do, they do view him as a guard or a tackle. I'd probably lean towards more teams thinking him, uh, thinking of him as a guard rather than a tackle, just because he has played it more mm -hmm. and he looks more like a guard, like body shape wise and everything. He put, he only played guard in college. Uh, so and then also just the fact that he's representing himself. I think that that does play a part in this. This does that does play a role in it. I'm curious to see what he gets, what the structure looks like, what everything looks like. Uh, but yeah, if if he does do this on his own, which like you said is the expectation at this point, um, I do think he will be leaning on those financial advisors uh, to lead him through. Yeah. Okay. Now, Kyle Duggar and Michael Money we're going to hit the market. We're going to wait. On those Patriots, whoever are not waiting with some of their smaller profile players, Nathan Rourke, third string quarterback, who you might have forgotten. I wouldn't blame <laughs> if you forgot about Nathan Rourke, who didn't throw a pass and also got here going. I could never forget about Nathan. Rourke. <laughs> you could not. You guys, you guys chatted a lot in the locker room. Uh, he's back. He's been re-signed. And my understanding, speaking with someone today, high up in the front office, is that they're pretty confident they'll get a couple more of these deals done. And there's precedent, right? You know, yeah. they've signed multiple guys last year. On the eve of free agency, sometimes it's Matthew Slater, other times it's Connor McDermott. No one's really throwing a party for those resignings. Right. But if you're the Patriots, it's a little bit of momentum going into what it will be a big week. And you understand, okay, if we get, let's say, Farrell Brown or you get someone like Mac Wilson, that might be a help because you're at least plugging holes yeah. in the meantime and then able to throw a bag at someone versus going, okay, we're, we feel a little bit more pressure to yeah. go get a tight end because we don't even have our third string guy in-house. If you get that done, that, that's a help. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, there are positions of need like that where you just kind of need to fill in the roster right now, especially at tight end with someone like Farrah Brown, where you only have one Michael Petway on the roster currently <laughs> at tight end, uh, linebacker. I know. forgot about him. I'll end up. You, you there is not one. forget about Nathan <laughs> no. Mark. I forgot about Michael. Yes. Well, Michael Petway signed to a contract extension at the end of the season and didn't play it as well. Yeah. Uh, and then, yeah, like Anthony Jennings, Mac Wilson, uh, bringing back some of those linebackers would certainly be beneficial for the Patriots as well. Yeah. Kendrick Bourne. Uh, talked to a couple people today and earlier in the week. I've talked a lot about it. We can go quickly on this, but it's really tied to his recovery from the ACL, yeah. um, which that information is more readily available to teams than I knew before, mm -hmm. you know, reporting and kind of asking around about what's happening. But because he's ahead of schedule, expected to be able to participate in training camp, be ready for the start of the season, uh, a couple people around the league told me his mic, his market 
might not be deeper in terms of dollars, mm -hmm. but should be wider in terms of suitors because you look at guys who are either GMs right now mm -hmm. or head coaches who were in San Francisco or in New England right. where he played in the Shanahan offense, obviously, with the Niners, had an 800-yard season with the Patriots a couple of years ago, gets hurt, but is a player that could complement a lot of places. Mm -hmm. And because of that, uh, and there are teams in the AFC that tried to trade for him a year and a half ago, he might have a lot of options. I don't know if he's going to get the dollars that he wants, right. but the the market's wider because of all the work he's put in physically the last few months. Yeah, and I mean, I also just wouldn't be surprised if teams are looking at a good wide receiver who's coming off of a knee injury and be like, hmm, maybe we could get some value there or something. And yeah. then if enough teams think that, then that obviously drives up the price. So, uh, yeah, definitely curious to see what happens with Kendrick Bourne. But like you said, I do expect a lot of people to be interested in him. And one other note, his ACL surgery was actually performed by the Rams team physician, Neil mm -hmm. Trash, who also did Tom Brady's ACL surgery 15 years ago in case the dynasty was not making you feel old enough. <laughs> there it is. And he has other ties to the Rams as well, not just because the McVay system is similar to the Shanahan offense. Uh, Nick Cayley was here mm -hmm. for his first two seasons in New England. And bottom line, everybody loves Cayley. Yeah. So uh, we'll see. The Rams might be among those teams. They might not. Uh, but we'll see about Kendrick Bourne here in the, the coming days. Mm -hmm. This is my favorite nugget of the week. And this is uh, courtesy of someone that you knew and, and introduced me to and, and did us a huge solid because we've talked a lot about Elliot Wolf pivoting the Patriots to a new grading system, mm -hmm. a streamlined system, a yep. simpler one. It's round-based, it's value-based, as opposed to we need this exact nickel corner to play in the Belichick defense, and sometimes it works, and sometimes you get Cyrus Jones. Um, right. Tell us more about the scouting system. Yeah, fortunately, uh, you know, there's been a lot of people who have worked with Elliot Wolf. Uh, yes. th this this grading system started back with the Packers, brought to the Browns, and now Elliot Wolf has brought it to the Patriots, where they are grading players by value or by round rather than by role. So in the past with the Patriots, it would be this guy's a starter, this guy's a backup, this guy's a special teamer, this guy's a potential starter. Now under the new system, it's essentially – a five point it's it it's essentially a 5.0 to 9.0 scale where a 5.0 is an undrafted free agent anyone below a 5.0 is not something that you, you would want to work with it goes all the way up to 9.0 but like i don't think any like lebron james would have to get like the 9.0 <laughs> like that's the so the way it goes is that a 5.0 is an undrafted free agent a 6.5 is a second round pick 6.9 is where a first round pick starts and then it goes up from there and obviously it, there's a lot in the middle between the 5.0 undrafted free agent and the 6.5 second round pick but no this was definitely like when elliot wolf was describing this to us of okay we've got this new system mm -hmm. this new grading system it was definitely very helpful to be you know sitting at the jw hotel seeing a buddy of mine that i had known for a few years and said Hey, can you explain this to us? <laughs> like, can you walk us through what this is actually going to look like now at this point? Um, and ultimately it does simplify things a little bit where then it's just by round, like scouts can look at a player, give them the grade and say, all right, this guy's a fourth round pick. So he gets yeah. like a five, nine or whatever it would be, or this guy is a first round pick. He's going to get a 7.0 or whatever. Whereas in the past it was so dependent on what the Patriots were specifically looking for, where like Josh Uche, they probably wouldn't have graded him as a starter, but like, it's so uh, yeah, it's just, it's a simplified system. And it seems like the guys who were already in the building have picked up on it pretty quickly. It seems like they do like it. Um, it's led to people who have grown up in the Patriots grading system 
having to teach it to the younger scouts. But those are also very smart people who have picked up the grading system and now are teaching it to younger. And overall, it's a younger front office. So they're, they're yeah. a little bit more flexible, yeah. able to learn, willing to learn. Yeah. And look, you don't, you don't really have a choice. This is what the new boss yeah. wants to do. The draft is coming up in two months. Yeah. you got to get a head start. There's like one person who's been there for all of Belichick's tenure or close to it. And I think that's Brian Smith, like the scouting mm. coordinator or whatever it is. Almost everyone else is, is like within the last five to ten years. Right. The other help about this is that Elliot Wolf has been involved in all of the scouting, yeah. pro and college, dating back the last year. I mean, the last four years. So right. typically at this time, Bill was playing catch up. Yeah. And look, Bill was excellent at playing catch up. Yeah. OK, we all saw it. We all watched it. This is just to say that when you're installing a new system, when you're laying out the board, when you're having someone at the top who's making decisions, if you needed to have the draft tomorrow, yeah. Elliot could do that. He's familiar with the players. They're still going to do a lot of research again. They just met with the quarterbacks at the top of this draft for the first time this week, right? They're going to be top 30 visits, pro days, all these different things. But because of Elliot's familiarity, this helps get everyone up to speed, not only just with the system, but how they see players right now. Whereas Bill, I mean, of course, he could have made the draft. He probably would have felt good about it. Right. But not anything anyone in that building would have wanted to do on March 1st. Okay. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Uh, smaller note, the Patriots... <laughs> Got spanked yeah. with their NFLPA report card. And this is two days old now. And I ripped the crafts pretty good in the mm -hmm. column saying, look, is this going to be shame enough when you are the 29th ranked team in the league? And these are unscientific. These are subjective. Mm -hmm. These are surveys that have changed their grading system and categories from year one to now year two. Right. Not to be taken as gospel. Not a referendum. But when you were the New England Patriots trying to get back, to being the New England Patriots. Mm -hmm. And you go from 24th in the league last year to 29th now in every single category but two, one of which was not available last year, head coaches, and the other one was the training room. But all others go down. Yeah. This is embarrassing. It is, yeah. And, I mean, I think there was, like, some surprise about this, some not. I mean, yeah. I, the, the one thing that everyone will rightly harp on is that the weight room graded last, right? Or it was – It was it the – yeah, last or second last, yeah. but the, it was the only weight room in the league where yeah. the majority of players in there looked around and said, I can work out somewhere better than this outside the facility. Right, yes, uh, which is a problem. They could go to Fit Factory in Foxborough <laughs> for, for better workouts than they could at their own stadium. Shout out Fit Factory. Um, but uh, it's where Ted Kersey is going the offseason. No I'm not sure if that's because he referred <laughs> it to the weight room, but I just know that he went there. Um, and he's not here anymore, so I'm not doxing his his gym. Uh, but, uh, yeah, uh, the, so the common refrain here is that the Patriots are building a new weight room, yes. which that's still the plan, but it's not being done yet. 
And, and there's no real end date in sight for when that's going to happen. Uh, Matt Patricia, oddly enough, was an offensive play caller slash weight room designer when he was on staff for the Patriots. Uh, and now he left a year ago. So it's kind of even unclear who Bill Belichick then was going to have designed the weight room. And now I'm not sure if you guys know this, but Bill Belichick's gone now too. So now someone else has to either design it or hire someone or assign someone to design it. But there's like, there's no clear cut place where it's going to go right now. There's a few options on the table, but at this point, it's certainly possible that that's in place by the 2024 season, but I haven't specifically heard that. And I know that, there's some time restraints in place before the players are back in April when they're going to have to be back in there working out. It's bad. It's uh, Matt Patricia leaving as a coach on your football staff <laughs> should not delay the installation, the upgrading of a weight room, which Gerard Mayo specifically highlighted as in his introductory, I can't even speak, introductory press conference right. as being like the heartbeat of the right. team, an essential part of playing football, yeah. developing football players. And, because Matt Patricia left, this is suddenly a calamity in Foxborough, where, again, they might have it done at the start of next season, but they right. do not have a firm plan in yeah. place. And now their head strength and conditioning coach, Moses Cabrera, is gone, right. and uh, some of their sports science staff is also up in the air. What, uh, and one thing I will say is that there's a distinct possibility that this report card could significantly improve in 2024 yes. because, in theory, the head coaching grade could change. The strength coach grade could change because John Mayo is taking over uh, for Moses Cabrera. And if they improve the weight room, the weight room would improve. Maybe the training <laughs> Wait, go room back would to improve. that point. Yes. <laughs> the, the weight room grade would improve. The training room grade could improve if they provide more space. And if they're showing players that they're willing to invest in this weight room and training room and all these things, then the ownership grade would raise yes. as well. So, like, there's a, there's a real path for so many of these grades to be better but it almost all starts with the weight room it does okay uh one other thing on a positive it's a lot on a weight room yeah uh shout out fit factory there was someone i talked to today in ted cares uh who added an objection saying hey those be minuses for our food and for our nutritionists and ted harper does a great job by any account i've yeah. ever come across or asked about or heard of it's too low patriots were average which was among their highest marks right. maybe their highest marks for their food and their nutrition program. They said, we've had guys come from other teams who show up and be like, this is great. I right. wish I had this yeah, in other places. Yeah. So, you know, the Patriots, the, the survey is done by players. This is not media. These are not coaches. These are not staffers. These are players saying, this is how we feel working here. Yeah. Uh, but maybe they deserve a little bit more love in the cafeteria. Uh, the franchise tag we talked about, I think it's worth reiterating. Mike on it would cost uh, $20.98 million. Let's just call it $21 million if tagged. That exceeds the average annual value. That he is being projected at somewhere yeah. between 16 to 20. You'd be like, yeah, 21 is not that much different from 20. Give him an extra million. This is all guaranteed. And right. it's a one year deal. And, and players hate the tag. And the transition tag is only like a million dollars less. So the yes. transition, I think, is around 19 or 20 million dollars. So on both those, it just seems pretty high for a guy you don't know whether it's a guard or a tackle in this new offense with new offensive line coaches. Want to talk about Mac Jones? No. But okay, I'll take this. Uh, <laughs> three front office executives checked in with saying how much is Mac worth I've thrown out fifth, fifth round pick all of them said yeah that's about right yeah. that felt great yeah. now another person said the Patriots would be lucky to get a six so there's not universal agreement on what Mac Jones is going to be worth 
But as I said all along, a late round pick, a day three pick, seems likely for a guy who is expected to be traded, according to reports. And I think only makes sense to part with the starting quarterback when you're going into a new era, like drafting a rookie quarterback to take over for him. And a guy who thinks he should start elsewhere, but the history and the baggage is just too much. I was kidding. Of course I want to talk about Mac Jones. I like that seems fair. I think you just you need to have a fresh start here. And I think that Mac Jones could use a fresh start. I'd say that I was I was talking to someone about Mac Jones and like what his future holds and all that kind of stuff. And you know, I was I was wondering to that person who it works for the team, works for the Patriots. I was like, how how do you think you would feel about being a backup, like, do you think he's got the right mentality for it? Do you think he's got the right personality for it? Because in a vacuum, like, you might not think so. But then that person did raise the the point that, like, Nick Saban used to praise the hell out of him as as the scout team quarterback. He was super competitive. Uh, he was all on board, you know, being that backup to Tuatongo Bailoa. So maybe with a fresh start, maybe he would benefit from that. Maybe if he gets in the right system, like a Shanahan system, something like that, then he could – be a you know an even better backup whatever it would be but i don't know we'll, we'll we'll see what the future holds for mac jones but the patriots probably aren't getting a lot for him in return in a trade no uh staying with the quarterbacks though mentioned again all of them have met uh with the exception of michael Penix, poor michael Penix, with the patriots caleb williams telling reporters today hey kind of a smaller room that room yeah. including gerard mayo elliot wolf alex van pelt mm-hmm. quarterbacks coach tc mccartney and a lot of these meetings too you'll have a zoom ongoing so people back in foxborough did not travel for the combine can watch but specific to mayo he had a unique schedule when it comes to head coaches mm-hmm. in the combine and some guys just say i'm staying home right. he did not he came in specifically for the quarterbacks flew in over the weekend left yesterday meaning thursday so he really worked his schedule around that mm-hmm. and he met with some other coaches uh but it's just kind of an interesting tidbit because you think about oh the team comes in they stay the week and then they leave no no, no. Like, you have guys come in on weekend, then they leave on Tuesday. Some leave on Thursday. Alex Van Pelt came in on Tuesday and is staying into the weekend. So it, there's a lot of overlap and moving parts here. But Gerard Mayo, as a head coach, coming in for that stretch very early, is telling about, obviously, their pick and maybe not their cemented plans, but what they'd like to do with the third round, the third overall pick. Yeah, and just the priority is that yeah. he wanted, like, I mean, he was here for a number of reasons, but one of them was certainly – to talk to the quarterbacks. And, you know, there was more than just three or four people in the room. Some of the high level executives were in there as well. Um, But yeah, I think that they used that time with those quarterbacks. I think it's 18 minutes. They get to talk to 45 guys formally at the combine. Uh, I think they, they used that for that 18 minutes very wisely and got a good sense of who these guys were. Yeah. Offensive coordinator, Alex Van Pelt, officially not the Patriots first choice. Uh, I reported a number of weeks ago, Nick Cayley was a finalist. And then the next day they hire Alex Van Pelt and they did so because Nick Cayley turned them down. This is something we've heard from countless people and countless is strong. Several people in and around the team. Gerard made a very hard push for Nick Cayley, who you'll know, of course, is the Rams tight ends coach. Before that, spent eight years in New England, also coaching tight ends. He was their top choice. It didn't happen. They moved to Alex Van Pelt. This might be a not blessing in disguise, but ultimately a better fit for them as a guy who's coached quarterbacks been an offensive coordinator before, and all the wonderful things we've heard about Alex Van Pell. Yeah. But Kaylee weighed his family considerations, the fact that you just stand next to Sean McVay and you're sprinkled with this magic fairy dust where you become a great right. offensive mastermind, just ask Zach Robinson now in Atlanta, and decided to stay. But this was something first reported by Sports Illustrated earlier this week, something that we confirmed. And a lot of folks go, we don't blame him. And I think even though he said no to the Patriots, the Patriots might ultimately be better off. But we'll see. Yeah, and for a guy like Nick Kaylee, like, 
I'm not sure how many opportunities he'll eventually get to be an offensive coordinator. Yeah. So it's probably a good move to bide your time. Like he has no idea who the Patriots quarterback is going to be. He has yeah. no idea what that offense is going to look like. So um, he liked being, I mean, if you like being with the Rams and he was okay being, you know, in a assistant role for another year or two, probably makes sense not to jump the gun and leave for a job that you're not hundred percent confident about. Two more. And then we get to the mailbag, uh, which is going to be very quick. I'll, I'll do apologies <laughs> to everyone who asked questions. And thank you, as always, for asking those questions. And we're going to revamp our uh, fan bag segment next week. Special guest, Deb McCourty, coming mm. on the pod. Elliot Wolf, um, I almost got tired. It's tough that the quality of your guest goes so down next week. I know. It's it's really bad. But he's very handsome. He's, he's very, <laughs> very rubbing my head. Handsome. Um, I got tired about asking about Elliot Wolf because just like Alex Van Pelt, universally positive yeah. feedback which the positive feedback is not a bad thing no. you just like to hear variations of oh i knew him back when and he was like this and the answer is always the same ellie wolf is intelligent he's diligent yeah. he's a natural obviously the son of ron wolf we all know this he was raised for this role and they all say he's ready yeah this does not guarantee right he's going to nail the job as a gm mm -hmm. one of the more difficult gm jobs so far right now and again he has not guaranteed any power past the draft and the contracts of the guys underneath them also run out, mm -hmm. which is a rarity across the NFL. Most teams roll over these deals. You get another year, okay, just to keep you. Um, but, look, positive feedback is a good thing. And yeah. you hear this from everywhere. Yeah, I know. There, I don't think there was a more popular person at the Combine than Elliot Wolf. Because, like, <laughs> you literally could not find somebody. It, it was Elliot and it. then you. Because anywhere yeah, we wanted to go, to lobbies, <laughs> bars, restaurants, hallways in the convention center, if I didn't like you, I would be annoyed at how often we had to stop and say hello. Which was great, though, because you had been in the it's, Combine in a year or two and know a lot of people from your days at PFF. Yeah, it was great to see everyone. And shout out to all, especially my friends down here. Who've been, it's been really great to see those guys again. Dan Kelly, Danny Heifetz, all those people. Uh, but Elliot Wolf, even more popular than I am. Uh, yeah, no, you like 1000%, whether it's someone on the team that you're like, all right, give you some truth serum. What do you really think about this? No, fantastic. Like he's ready for the job. He's going to do a great job. You talk to anyone, like even people who don't really know him that well are still like, oh no, I, like everything about him is great. I've met him once on a, you know, pro day or whatever it was. Yeah. And like, they, they just love the guy. So I think, Ultimately, this is going to be the right move for the Crafts to name him. Uh, I don't know if it's going to be general manager or VP or whatever it's going to be. Like, I have no, I have no doubt that he's going to earn this job, and that's kind of the consensus here at the combine. Um, but it, and it was kind of kind of an odd way to find this person too, where you're promoting from within, not conducting a search. Uh, it's a team that just went four and 13 that, you know, the, the talent on it has eroded over the last few years, but no one seems to think that that's Elliot Wolf's fault. I think no. that there's a lot of positivity and optimism that things will turn around with him now fully running the show. It's interesting because in learning about Elliot, um, we're going to write a lot more about him in the coming weeks and months that he was handed certain responsibilities by Belichick mm -hmm. that would indicate a lot of trust right. in him. But not necessarily, of course, to make decisions because that was Belichick's domain. It was his power. It was everything that he had, um, you know, earned over the years. Greatest coach of all time. Long time stretch is a really, really good GM. But he never really had significant input or clear influence aside from handling certain free agent negotiations because everything ran through Bill. Right. And you might make a great case, as you think. But if Bill wasn't sold, it didn't matter. Right. Yeah. I mean, I. it's funny. I, I mean, we'll... We'll get to this, um, but like people do still 
praise Bill uh, quite a bit. Yes. Um, And like, and one thing that I did hear about Bill is that he does like listen to people. Like he'll listen Mm -hmm. to people as long as he, as long as you know what you're talking about, as long as you present it well, as long as he trusts you, he will 1000%. It's weird. He never listened to the media though. I don't, (laughs) I I don't get it. It's funny. Um, And, but ultimately when it came down to it, like sometimes he would just, do what he wanted to yeah and like it doesn't and like yeah he would listen to you but he would still have that final say so um i know there's been a lot made of you know are people taking shots at bill all these kind of things patriots do certainly want to change their culture yeah um in the building and i think they've done a good job of that all things considered that we've heard uh but at the same time while everyone's saying that that change was certainly necessary you're still just you're not hearing people blasting bill belichick or criticizing him or even venting about him like they still just respect him so much that they are not doing that it's no. it's not the it's not the you know crap on bill show this week no. everyone's still saying very positive things about him at the same time acknowledging that there were some changes needed around it, the it was time yeah that, that right that's yeah. how folks feel last one um uh, not particularly exciting, if I'm being honest, but I think it had nowhere. That's why we, it's why we ordered them. Yeah, this is very true. Yeah. Patriots are looking to bolster their their leadership in right. the locker room. And you could go and look and say, oh, it wasn't the defense's problem. I mean, they lost three games. And they allowed right. fewer than 10 points. And that's, you know, okay by them. And you'll bring back uh, – or not okay by them, but it's not their fault. And you bring back Dietrich Wise and Juwan Bentley in that side of the ball. And so – but they want to bolster their leadership in all three phases. And David Andrews is going to be back on offense, and Matthew Slater is going to retire or has retired on special teams. But they want a locker room that's tighter, that's stronger, because they felt some of that defensive leadership supposedly fell off in the second half of last year. And yeah. that led to the infighting, which I reported on at the time and we discussed before. And so I don't know how that's going to manifest right. here, but it's something to keep in mind as they sign players. And draft them, you know, team captain was always a giveaway under Bill of like right. people they want to draft. I think there's gonna be an extra emphasis here on guys who were going to bring everyone together in a way that we've been talking about this new coaching staff, uh, culture drivers, unifiers, because they're probably gonna lose a lot of games again next year, but they don't yeah. want the same feeling in the locker room that they had. Yeah, and I it might just have to be like much newer guys or yeah. younger guys who have to step up or or whatever it is, because like Lawrence guy wasn't a captain last year, probably in part due to like the weird contract thing that yeah. he had going on, but he was one of the defensive leaders. He's been released. You know, Dietrich wise, one of the defensive leaders. He's a, he's a great guy. Not exactly the most like commanding, like scary personality. Or anything rah, like rah, that. Yeah. It's, it's not like when you had, it was for so many years, you knew who the defensive leaders were going to be. You knew who the captains were going to be all the way back to Teddy Bruschi, then Devin McCourty, Dante Hightower, um, all of these guys. And then a lot of those guys have left and it's, it's left the leadership. It's left a leadership void on defense. Um, and, you know, maybe you see like Jabril Peppers step up into that, or, or maybe it has to be someone who comes in as a free agent or whoever else it might be who, who kind of steps it up and, and leads that void or, you know, fills that void, but it is definitely necessary. And as well as the defense played, there were some, there st- still are some things that they need to fix on the defense. And that's one of them. Okay. Yeah. Mailbag. I said that very poorly. I'm getting tired. No, I think you, I think you got <laughs> the point. We're, we, we all know where we're at. Um, John, this was uh, so DM. This is from John quote, just for fun. I would love to know both your predictions about the Patriots quarterback depth chart will look like in week one next year at this point uh, of the process, carrying two or three quarterbacks, starter is X backup is Y and Z possibly 
John just went from quarterbacks to wide receivers, I think, <laughs> uh, with those. But I, I get the gist of what he's saying. I have my choices lined up, but I feel like that might eliminate uh, mm. what you're thinking. If this is tough, so, honestly. So I, I could mean, stall some more. No, no, no. I can think about it. Like, uh, so obviously the star is going to be Nathan Rourke. <laughs> um, I, I would say starter Drake May. Um backup like this isn't and this isn't something i've necessarily heard but like someone like jacoby Brissett would make a lot of sense maybe as the backup damn it and then <laughs> am i giving your exact ones? Yeah, that's exactly it <laughs> and then uh the third stringer would be bailey zappy i do still think it's possible that bailey zappy could be the backup mm-hmm. but i also just i i think the patriots should bring in someone who would be a more established backup than bailey zappy yes uh, Joe Flacco, another name to watch. I mean, these are the easy kind of connecting dots, right? right? No reporting here. And um, we have hard reporting about your, you do about uh, Baker Mayfield. Right. I, I would lean Drake May as well, but to spice things up, especially because he was the star of my last and first mock draft. Uh, Jaden Daniels, mm-hmm. then I will say Joe Flacco. And Nathan Rourke beats out Bailey yeah. Zappi. I, I like me some Nathan Rourke. I should have said Nathan Rourke. Uh, if, just real quick off that, if, if the starter was Baker Mayfield, or if they sign Baker Mayfield, would you still draft a quarterback at number three overall? Or would you give him Marvin Harrison Jr.? Uh, and then draft like J.G. McCarthy here, here's, in the first round? Here's the problem. Because <laughs> I, you sign Baker Mayfield, you have a, a starting quarterback that you can win with. Maybe not because right. of, yeah. but you can win with. He is also not someone, I believe, especially given his age, and he shouldn't feel this way, that is ready to tutor a first-round quarterback. There's a difference between taking a guy in the second or third round as a flyer and another one at third overall, where it's like you're the starter this year or next or the year after. Like Even Jordan Love or Aaron Rodgers, people want to cite as examples of sitting. It's a back end of the first round, not a top three pick. If you sign Baker Mayfield, you are committed and you believe, I would believe wrongly, that he's a guy that you can go to the AFC Championship game with. In that instance – give him the weapon, I would still argue a trade back and get Roman Dunze maybe at six because yeah. that pick is going to be incredibly valuable. Yeah. Um, so yeah. that would be that would be my choice. Yeah, I think that that would almost be what you have to do. So then it would be like Baker Mayfield and then either Bailey Zappi or like J.J. McCarthy or Bo Nix or whoever to be the backup. That, yeah. That situation. Yeah. All right, Pat's commenter has read my story about Elliot Wolf and everyone else uh, around him being lame ducks. He's going, quote, why would the Pats hire Alonzo Highsmith for six months and allow them to change the grading system if they don't plan on committing to Wolf Long-term. Also, most of the offensive coaches are Wolf guys as well. It seems crazy to blow them out of the draft and pull them out after the draft. Uh, I agree. Yeah, That's why I wrote that column. <laughs> no, I, I mean, yeah, I think everyone thinks that Elliot Wolf will earn the job. Yes. And the Kraft certainly hope, I would assume, that he, that he earns the job. Uh, but it's just not set in stone at this point. Like so many things in the organization are not set in stone right now. But yeah, I mean, Elliot and Alonzo Highsmith, that was Elliot Wolf's hire. But he is also the only one that he's brought into the front office so far. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I will add this. Uh, there were other folks who reported and noted around the Super Bowl. Uh, Tom Kern, Phil Perry, NBC Sports Boston. Elliot was not guaranteed the power. Mm-hmm. So the, the point of that column yeah. was not to say, oh, I have this new information. Right. It was to reiterate that fact. Which is shocking. It seems stupid, mm-hmm. uh, but also to say, everyone underneath him is on expiring contracts, which again is very rare yeah. in the NFL. There is a lot of turnover and change that happens in front offices, but more often than not, they roll these contracts over for another year. It's always kind of a plus one situation. The Patriots have long been an exception to that rule, um, and here though, it's strange because technically 
everyone could jump ship or be fired. And maybe you're going back to the grading system that they had before. We'll find out altogether. Jordan, quote, are you worried that Elliot Wolf will be too much Packers and punt on free agency? I understand building through the draft is the best way to assemble a team, but free agency is important also. Not worried. Yeah, I'm not really worried. I, I think they will be, I do, they will have some mover and shaker tendencies in there. Yeah, I, and they have to spend. Yeah. I mean, you, you've talked right. about this. You've written about it. Yeah. We've, we've talked about it. I have. You have to spend. The needs are there. But and, they do still want to build through the draft eventually, but they do have to like build their roster out first. Right. And this is the this is the middle ground. Okay. Yeah. You don't have to spend a hundred million dollars. You don't have to act like you did in 2021. You can spend 60, 70, 80 million dollars, extend your core players now, Christian Barmore, re-sign Kyle Duggar, yeah. bring back Mike Onwenu. That's gonna be a lot of money right there as soon as all of those guys sign. The team's not totally different, but you're spending the money at a couple of players and free agency up from the outside. That's building out a core. That's building out long-term. Um, so, no, I, I don't think he'll step back because, look, that's also not a way to earn the job. Right. Thank you for the keys to the car. I'm just going to go around the block and come back. Yeah. Um, Water boys, two questions. Quote, what wide receiver intrigues you the most for the Patriots in the second or third round? Secondly, on Wenu. If he does not want to be back, why not franchise tag him and then tag and trade? So for the wide receiver question, I haven't watched a ton of these guys yet, but Lad McConkey seems to be someone that a lot of very smart people like like quite a bit. Uh, he's the Georgia wide receiver. Um, Jalen McMillan, I liked quite a bit. Washington wide receiver. He missed a lot of time last year with injuries, but uh, UW's offense was a shell of itself when he wasn't in there. He's a great slot run after catch guy who's also pretty big. Uh, and then you just you hear good things about Romeo Wilson out of Michigan, Ricky Pearsall out of Florida. I probably just took all of your your options there. Keon um, Coleman too mm, from yeah, Florida, Florida State, State big yeah. big body guy. Like we talk about Adam Mitchell from Texas. Like you know, we'll see what they do with Parker and Juju and all that. And that's not going to prohibit you from adding right. a receiver that you like. I had Lam McConkey, smart person, noted smart person over here. My mock draft, so thank you. Um, but I, Roman Wilson's a good name to know. Ricky Pearsall is a shot up board supposedly over the last mm -hmm. month. Really, really good performance at the Senior Bowl. So all of those names to keep in mind. And I think, too, you know, the offensive tackles really fall off after the top 20, top 25, right. based on where things stand now. People who know better than I do. But you and I are both going to jump in headfirst into the draft here once we get back um, and do our own study. So I just keep those names around. As far as on Wenu, I think it just you, you lose a lot of leverage. In those situations, unless you understand ahead of time, there's a significant market for this player. And Mike Awenu right. is going to have a market. Yeah. But is it at $21 million? And so teams can just say, right. we'll wait you out yeah. for a player who's un unhappy that you tagged him. It's a one-year deal. It's all guaranteed. And they can afford the cap space. But if those teams then opt for other tackles and say he's actually a guard, right. the market shrinks. So you need to do this if you are going to do it, I think, in the next week or so before you get to free agency. Right. To, to, to make this happen. The teams are just too smart. They know the Patriots don't want to pay $21 million for Michael yeah. Wenu. So they're not going to give up anything to acquire a player that they know the Patriots don't want to pay that much and then also have to give them a significant contract. It's 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 a good idea in theory, but teams are smarter than that. Yeah, totally fair question. Yeah. It's just uh, it's not going to happen. Yeah. Uh, three more. Fuad, if or when Elliot Wolf picks a quarterback at number three, which position would you say they go to next at pick number 34? Keep up the great work. And great to see Doug back. Um, thank you, first of all, Fuad. Uh, second of all, probably go wide receiver, um, just because that that does seem to be pretty deep and go into the, the early part of the second round. Do you have any names in mind? <laughs> yeah, I've got quite a few. Let's let's go through. I, I mean, if any of those tackles fall, though, 
maybe even trade back up in the bottom of the first round to get one of the tackles because it does seem like the the wide receivers could extend into that third round pick as well. I love that idea. I threw it out here as like uh, someone asked for like a bold prediction mm. around the draft, yeah. and I, I didn't give it much thought. I've given a lot more thought. I had a very strange dream last night about <laughs> oh, this God. actually happening, giving, giving a presentation <laughs> on the Patriots trading back and why it made no sense. I got a very soft sitting o ovation. I don't stand it, whatever. Um, I, I don't want to know what that means, except for it's a combine and I'm not sleeping, and my brain is <laughs> honestly surprised you had enough time to dream. More uncustables. <laughs> <laughs> Two more. Uh, Jake, what is the most underrated position of need in the draft? The one that fans will have fans pulling their hair out on draft day when the Patriots select blank. Oh, uh, I'll let you answer this one first because I haven't thought about it enough yet. So <sighs> my initial thought was interior offensive line because you just can never win, especially yeah. in the first round, as we know, interior offensive line. Yeah. The counter to that would be Truly. Cole Strange, his left guard. Still talented. We'll mm -hmm. see. Obviously, it was coming on towards the end of last year before right. he got hurt. City Sal looking pretty good at right guard. David Andrews in the middle coming back. But, you know, is in the last year of his deal. He's an aging player. They drafted Jake Andrews last year. Right. Didn't see any kind of action. So, this would be a team in Green Bay that built through the trenches. Okay. We go, if we don't like Jake Andrews, meaning Elliot Wolf does not like him, Alonzo Heisman, yeah. whomever, maybe they get one in the third round. A guy that could push Cole Strange or City Sal depending on however they view them. So this leans more into the part where you're tearing your hair out at home. Right. I would not expect a linebacker based on no. the Packers' history and how they right. treated that position. Yeah. Besides that, you might get safety, especially if Kyle walks, mm -hmm. um, because you know then you're dealing with Peppers, Marte Mapu, and that's about it. Yeah, I mean, I like City Sal, but that all depends on how – Alex Van Pelt and Scott Peters uh, think about him and, you know, Robert Cooler or whatever. And like, I don't think that city South was so good last year that you just have to write his name in pen at right guard. I don't think they're going to take a right guard in the first round, but that could be a position that you take a little bit earlier than Patriots fans might want. The other one I would say is defensive tackle. And um, great call in, in an ideal world, Christian Barmore is here for the next seven years or whatever it is, but it currently right now, no offense to the other guys on the team. It's like, it's, it's Christian Barmore and a bunch of kind of old guys. And I think that you might need to replenish the youth a little bit. In there. Gotcha. Like I think gotcha is 28. It's like 20, 20, but that's still like not an old guy, but like these guys aren't 24, you know, like yeah. Christian Barmore is, but you're not even, he's really the only one they've drafted. He's the only one they've drafted in the top three rounds in what the last like five, six, seven, eight, whatever it's it is years. Time. So they haven't really replenished that position through the draft. They've replenished it through free agency or just bringing guys back year after year after year. So I think that they could use another like 22, 23 year old to be another option there on the defensive line for them. Similar question from a similar guy, Jake to Jacob mm. going, what would be one position outside of tackle? Because that is obvious to anyone with a brain. Mm -hmm. This is a quote that the Patriots should be aggressive in acquiring to free agency. So a surprise, but no one's tearing their hair out, not because they don't have any. Um, I don't know about aggressive. I mean, tight end is the answer. If we're, if we're only ruling out tackle sure. and, and receivers, obviously in this conversation, like Michael Petway, look, you might want him to start at home. Yeah. I don't. And there aren't many options out there. Dalton Schultz would be at the top of my board. I think he's at the top of a lot of teams boards. So they get him, uh, signed, sealed, and delivered. Who knows? Solid, solid season with the Texans yeah. last year. But the other one I'm thinking about, and this is, you know, I, I would not be aggressive in this kind of way. But running back depth mm -hmm. is a real issue. 
especially if Ramondre gets hurt, as he did towards the end of last year, going into a contract year. It's not a bad thing to have two very capable running backs, as the Patriots found out last year with Zeke. I would not count on Zeke to be that same player again. So ideally you would go through the draft and nail that pick, but there's opportunity cost of, okay, we want a running back. We took one with the third-round pick. Well, by then you have not addressed one of three positions, quarterback, receiver, offensive tackle, at the expense of a running back. So this might be the short answer. Get a guy who is, you know, and Green Bay's had a lot of them. Right. You know, Jamal, um, Jamal Williams, mm-hmm. um, uh, 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 you know, backs who are veterans who stay there and serve a certain role, and you could probably find a free agency this year. So, first of all, a tight end, like, you need to sign a, a starting tight end. Whether yeah. that's re-sign Hunter Henry, which I don't know if that's going to happen, but, like, they, they don't have a tight end. You can't really draft a tight end to start unless they reach for Brock Bowers. So, you need to sign a, a starting tight end. But the one that I would say outside of tackle would be cornerback, where you've got Christian Gonzalez as your number one cornerback. And then your next guys are Jonathan Jones, who's getting up there a little bit, a little bit undersized. Marcus Jones, who everyone loves, but is extremely unproven. Uh, you know, Alex Austin will be back. Miles Bryan is a free agent. Like, that's kind of a sneaky need to have another outside cornerback uh, opposite of Christian Gonzalez. So I think that's the one that would settle on to be a little bit more aggressive about just to make sure that you can, you know, protect against the pass, especially playing the AFC right now. Yeah. Forget what I said. That's right. <laughs> All right. That's it here. Thank you for hanging out with us. This is one of my favorite episodes every year, just mm-hmm. unloading all of the whispers. And we're going to go out tonight and see what else we can get uh, from the combine. You can read all of this and more at bostonherald.com along with a ton of great reporting uh, from Doug. It's been awesome to hang out with you this yeah, week and great. see you in your element and see everybody else around here. Uh, I think it's a good time to be a Patriots fan and not necessarily because of the team, but I think you're getting a lot more information uh, from us, from other people around the beat. Not every week is going to be combine week, but when we find out information, you win. Shout out to our, our colleagues, too, because that just makes yeah. us work harder. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> like, honestly. Why are you laughing? I don't know. Like, seriously. I mean, it does. Like, <laughs> they, they make us work harder. They really do. Like, they, anytime that they get something, they're like, well, we need to get, like, three more things. Then, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. No, it's, it's fun. True. Yeah. It's a healthy, happy competition. Yeah. yeah we love it. Okay. Uh, we need some sleep. <laughs> See you next week. <laughs>